This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, let me just open up in prayer and then we're going to get right into it. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Can you see what I see? Amen. That's not a singing thing, but it's just come out of my heart. So, Father, this morning we come before you in the name of Jesus. We give you all the praise, all the glory. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you anoint my mind and the words that I will say. It will be from your heart. Speak it into the hearts and the lives of each and every person. And I declare in advance, I will give you all the praise, all the glory. People will be changed, transformed, leave you differently. Change their hearts, hearts, change their lives. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody agrees with that. Come on, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, while you were praying, the TV just came on. Amen. All right. Thank you for praying. Well, in the last three months, uh, we've had a great time. Amen. We had celebration. We, last year, we were celebrating 44 years of ministry, or this year still, sorry. And next year, we'll be celebrating 45 years of ministry. And we've got an amazing program, but we'll tell you later about that. There's still a, a lot of time to do that. But we've been, uh, Apostle Theo's been teaching on uh, celebrating and taking back what the devil has stolen from us. But also in that month, October is traditionally our month of legacy. We speak about the legacy of the ministry. We speak about the legacy of what we've done and what what we are about to do for the kingdom of God. So we speak about the legacy of the ministry. And we preached also on the legacy and why legacy is so important. Legacy may be in other areas like the church and the churches that we plant, but also your legacy, your family's legacy. We spoke about that. You'll remember that. And then in November, we spoke about thanksgiving, being thankful for what God has done in our lives, but also what God is continuing to do through your life and into the lives of other people that are less fortunate than us. Amen. You guys remember that? And everybody that was here said, hallelujah. Now, December is the month. I'm starting it off. And as you saw, this is the month of generosity. In other words, we now spoke about the legacy. We are thankful for what God has done. Now, it is our time, our opportunity to be generous and to also sow into the work of what God is planning for us and for the church and for the world. For the world. We've heard from Apostle Theo, time is few. And things are going to change in the years to come. And we got to be ready, family. we got to know that we got seed in the, in the soil. But also that we are also uh, um, expanding the vision of the church. This is not a time for the church to say, well, it's going to end anytime soon, so let me just sit here in my hole and, and just wait for it to happen. No, no, no. we got to expand and advance. And we got to take it by force and violently. Amen? Amen. Thank you. It's wonderful. So that's what we're looking at in December, sowing perhaps a legacy seed for your family, for the things that you believe in God for, to further the kingdom. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. We can only uh, seize opportunities. We can only uh, look at new projects and do those projects at the speed of your generosity. Amen? We can only do it at the speed of your generosity. So let me go here and let's just see. So do you see what I see? And I'm going to show you exactly what it is that we're looking at. Number one, I want you to take to Mark 1 verse 40. 
And here we have a situation where Jesus is, his ministry is in full swing, and uh, the Lord is mightily using him, the Son of God. It says here, a man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and begged him on his knees, and if you're willing, you can make me clean. I want you to notice that, first of all, a man with leprosy, everybody was running away from this man, but yet, knowing the danger that he faced, because he was not allowed to be part of society, because he had this sickness called leprosy, and everybody that touched him could also then get leprosy, and they would then be excommunicated to a leprosy colony, away from their, from their families, away from their children, and away from everything that they've known. So this man risked a lot, and he comes, and he begs, he begs on his knees, and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It is evident that he knew that Jesus could heal him. It is also evident that he is doubting whether Jesus wants to heal him. Perhaps because he's a leper. Perhaps he thinks that Jesus is just so busy and he will do it for everybody else, but he won't do it for me. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand. Amen? And touch the man. Jesus is not fearful of, of, of sickness or of disease. Amen? Because he is the healer. He is the life giver. He is the one that can command sickness to go in Jesus' name. Amen? Jesus was filled with compassion. This word, compassion, I want you to picture it in your mind, is, is, is when, when, when the man said, are you willing, if you're willing, I think in a way, it offended Jesus in a, in a good way. What do you mean if I'm willing? Of course I'm willing. This is not good that this man thinks that I'm not willing to heal him. And this is a bad situation because this man is suffering from leprosy, and I've got to change it. I, I, I just feel the compassion. The word compassion means that I've got to change the bad thing into a good situation. There's something that I've got to do. And he's filled with compassion. He goes on. Then after that, because Jesus then saw the need of the people, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And look at this here. And he saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. He realized that this situation is not a good situation to be in. This bad situation had to be overturned with good. He felt that, that this is what I need to do. This is my mandate. I must have compassion on them. Are you with me, family? And today, I want to appeal to your heart of compassion. Do you have the heart of compassion? Do you see what I see? And perhaps not yet, but I'm going to take you on a journey so that you can see exactly what we are seeing. So that your heart can be filled with compassion. And only once your heart is filled with compassion to say a bad thing cannot stay bad. It has to become good. Maybe it's something that's something somewhere, someplace that's disadvantaged. That we, we can't leave it like this. we got to change it all around. Amen? He had compassion on them. You see, in order to have compassion, you've got to know that a situation is bad and you've got to change it into something good. But then it goes on, and here we see the scripture of in John 4, where Jesus is on his way from Galilee in the north of Israel. 
and he's going to Jerusalem, most probably for one of the festivals. And Jesus decides on this occasion to walk through the towns of Samaria or through the mountainous areas, which was quite a dangerous area. It's where the Samaritans lived, and it's first of all not a place where Jews normally would travel. The thing that I want you to know here is that, let's just read here, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to women, the women at the well in Samaria. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? So let me just sketch the picture here quickly. Jesus is breaking all racial and cultural barriers. First of all, a man does not speak to women in the culture of the day. Secondly, he does not speak to a Samaritan. It's a racial thing. We Jews, they Samaritans, we don't mix with them. So he's breaking every law here, what the people, the culture, and the racial prejudice were of the day. He's breaking each and every one of them by himself, nochal. Not a witness, so stay here with me just in case, you know. All by himself, he's speaking to this woman. But at the same time, the disciples, nobody is tending to his needs. Nobody is asking, what do you want? Why are you here? What's the deal here? Now, at that time, Jesus then tells her, hey, man, why don't you get me some water? And as she goes to do that, he tells her, listen, I've got water, and if you drink of it, you will never thirst again. And he goes on to tell her about her life and how many husbands she's had and how her life has just been a total mess. And she is so overwhelmed that somebody read her mail, read her book, read her life story, that she realizes this man has to be the Messiah because no one else knew this about me. And she goes into town and she tells everybody, say, listen, guys, I think I've met the Messiah. Something is about to happen. I need you to come out. He told, him, told me my whole history, told me everything I knew about myself, and I can just sense there's something inside. Then it says here, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? So now a crowd of people is approaching together with her. They're coming back to the well. Jesus is sitting there. The disciples are back. And now they're approaching him. And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. So they, they left Jesus all alone for a while. Jesus spoke to the woman. She went into town. They came back. They seen this whole crowd coming towards the well. And maybe they thought, hey, these Samaritans are approaching us. Be careful, guys. And they said to, the, to Jesus, hey, won't you eat something? We, we got some food. So, you know, let's go to the spur. Let's go to the Hassa grill or, you know, or whatever. You know, let's just eat. They're completely oblivious. They cannot see what Jesus is seeing. They're thinking, here's some food. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples were probably saying, but who brought him food? Who gave him food? What is this food that he's talking about? All right, here it is. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food. Then Jesus responds because he can see. They cannot see what he is seeing. 
There is a, he spoke to a woman. He's about to change the whole Samaritan village. He, he spoke to people. They're on their way there. They are about to hear. They're about to hear. You see, he had compassion on her. It's a bad situation. I cannot leave it like this. I've got to change it into something good. Are you with me, family? And he said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Amen? Now, he goes on then to clarify it because they're still not getting it. What do you mean you've got different fruit, food? And he says, do you not say four months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Family, I say to you today, open your eyes. The fields are ready for the harvest. Many times people are speaking in the, into the lives of people, affecting and doing things for, for them. There is about a crowd to descend upon them. But we say, no, 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 listen, Jesus, you need to eat something. Hey, man, my food is not to eat something natural. My food is to preach the gospel, is to get, lead people to, 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 to the Father, to have compassion on them. That is my food. You cannot see it. But yet when you say the harvest is four months away, you see that. You don't see what I see. You're not seeing what I'm seeing. Open your eyes. Amen. Amen. Goes on to say, well, let me just say this. We don't feel responsible for what we don't see or do not see. You see, if, you, if somebody invites you, listen, won't you come with us to the welfare? We're going to feed the homeless tonight. Uh, won't you come with us? We're going to feed that 150 orphans, the kids of which they got no clothing or hardly any clothing. It's minus two today, but they are freezing cold. Won't you come with us? And No, no, no. You know, <laughs> let's go eat. Let's go eat. Let's do something else. Therefore, you cannot feel responsible for what you do not see. But if you're there, you can see what we see. And that's why we show you some of the highlights sometimes. We're not bragging, but we want you to see the good that your giving is doing to the kingdom of God. Amen, family? Can you see what I see? Amen? Secondly, we will never reach what we cannot see. So that's why we go out. Our welfare work has increased about tenfold than what it used to be. We go out on a weekly basis. Just last week, for those of you that were involved, and listen, let me just say a round of congratulations and appreciation for each and every person that went out there. And come on, yeah, let's just give the welfare team. They went out there. And we had Christmas parties to over a thousand orphans. They entertained them. I watched some of the videos. I see it and I feel the compassion and what, the situation that we have. We cannot keep it the same. We got to change it for good. Amen. And there's no lack of projects in this country. It's not like, hmm, where can we go to? Hmm. Yeah, if I can just. There's enough. If you see what we see, you, why don't you just join us? Because that's perhaps the legacy opportunity that you can sow into. That is perhaps where you can take it to, to the next level. You see, I need about three hours to tell you of all the good things that we do here, and then some. But I've just got 10 minutes left, so I've got to wrap it up quickly. Amen? All right? So let me show you this. Our church. This is what our church is doing right now. Number one is that we're building new campuses. 
So the strategy is, is that we have Johannesburg, we're going to have a campus in the south called Johannes CFCI South, and we're going to have a campus in the north in the future. It's not the immediate plan, but that's the planning. That's the five-year plan. We're going to have a campus in the north. So we want to expand this footprint of this church because it can only grow as much as, and we already believe just without even having a church, we can have four, 500 people tomorrow in the south of Johannesburg. So we're going to build that campus. I'll show you later. Number two is that we're going to plant new churches through our international missions program. We're planting more. We currently got 1,500 churches around the world. Around the world. 15. You are part of that. Can you see what I see? Amen. Amen. Thirdly, is that we're going to invest in our children and our students. They are the leaders of tomorrow. They are the leaders of tomorrow. We've got to invest in them. We've got to grow them up. We've got to take them to the next level. We've got to create opportunities for them. And then lastly, number four, we've got to look at the Bible, uh, Bible colleges campuses that we're planting. I'll talk about it a bit later, but I mean, we've got over 80 campuses around the world. I do not know of another Christian university that has got 80 campuses around the world. They might be, but I don't know of it. I don't know of it. Three and a half thousand students annually. It is amazing, but I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we go on, all right? So let me say this. The church that I see, this Christian family church, the church that I see, first of all, I see a church so attractive and so refreshing that the buildings struggle to contain the increase. I see a church where the connected church meets every Sunday at least once. Amen? Secondly, I see a church where the people have found a relationship with God. Amen? To know God. Instead of a religion and rules, where living for God is no longer an obligation, it is a heartfelt desire. Amen? I see a church where people are continually taking steps in their spiritual journey with the goal of reaching new heights in every part of their lives. Take a next step on your growth track journey. I see a church full of people, that's you, who are growing in God and discovering that God wants to use them to make a difference where every person is experiencing the kind of fulfillment that only God can give. Man cannot give it to you, only God can do it. Amen. I see a church where God uses ordinary people. Say, that's me. Amen, that's me. Dream teamers. Hey, that's me. For those of you who are dream teaming with us. Small group leaders, the church staff. Hey, that's me. Serving the people of our city so that they in turn would open their hearts to God. So we can show that heart of compassion. Amen. I see a church so compassionate. Seeing the wrong, the bad, and say, it cannot stay that way. I have to make it good. I see that church, that compassionate church, that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I see a church that is a church so committed to raising, training, and empowering a leadership generation of young people, church planters, and pastors who will go from this place and change the whole world. That's what I see. I see a church who never stops searching for lost people. Come on, family. Come on, come on. Never stop searching for lost people because God never stops searching for us. Yeah, I'm so grateful for that. 
He never stops. He's always pursuing us. Pursu- relentless. Relentless. Isn't it amazing that the songs just lines up with the message this morning? Can you see what I see? Amen. I see a people so kingdom-minded, not church-minded, not my own minded, my own things, my own agendas, so kingdom-minded, the kingdom of God-minded, that they will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep through this land. Amen. We're not going to accept it anymore. I see a church that realizes that none of this can happen in their own ability. I see a church that instead they are a church that is committed to prayer and dependent upon the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad that we pray and intercede for revival. I'm so glad that we flow in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm so glad that we are led and guided and directed by the Holy Ghost. Amen? I see a church where Jesus is famous and all of the glory goes to God. Come on, give your Jesus a mighty shout and praise. Amen. So people say that the church doesn't do enough. Well, let me just show you quickly a one stat. I know it's an American one, but I tell you it's even better in South Africa. Christian philanthropy accounted for 70% of all American philanthropy in 22 at $300 billion total. Christians also outgave the U.S. government in addressing global poverty. Don't tell me the church is not doing it. The church is doing it. You are doing it through the church to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And in our country where government does not even give one cent, I mean, we we have so many organizations that we're supporting through our welfare work where government no longer supports those works because they have no money. Where's the money going to come from? From the church. From the church. You didn't hear me. Come on, I want to hear your compassionate heart. Can you see what I see? And God's going to bless you. God's going to increase you. Even though you're working for a company that are heathens, heathens, they are Satanists, God will prosper that company so that the money of the unrighteous can flow into the righteous in Jesus' name. That's how he's going to do it. Amen. God is not going to allow the devil to stop us. So how do we do this? How do we do this? First of all, through our local missions, through our welfare work. So proud of Pastor Tracy and the team, Brandon, all the guys. They're doing, Pastor Felicity, they're doing an amazing job. And then we got like over 200, 300 people that support them on a weekly basis. You guys, I love your compassionate heart. Can't stay this bad. I've got to make it good. Amen. I love it then, our youth outreach, outreaches to schools, our correctional ministry. As we speak in our Pastor Renata's preaching to those that are in correctional services around the country. Local ministries, partnerships. We, we partner with a lot of ministries because it's no longer about our church is better than your church. Our mindset is that we are building the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah, but that pastor's just down the road. He's going to steal your members. Then so be it. Then so be it. Because if God has called you here, you will stay here no matter how glamorous it looks on the other side. I will always go where it's, where I'm fed, the word. Local ministries, partnerships, yes, as I said. So can you see what I see, family? Many things that's happening that you're perhaps not aware of. You just say, hey, let's go eat. Then our national missions. Oh, here's some pictures. For example, of our guys, Pumi and the guys out there at the schools, 8 o'clock in the morning. All right? You're still sleeping. I know, man. You're still driving to work. Amen. Yeah, come on. Let's give the youth a great round of applause there. 
Pastor Nanika and her teams. Amen. And I mean, while we're still driving to school, we're preaching the word already. Amen. On our day off, we're preaching the word already. Amen. Look at this. Hey, look at that. That's awesome. And then when we talk about our national missions, our national missions, we're starting with new campuses, as we said. We're going to build a beautiful church in the south. We're planting new churches in South Africa, all around, wherever it needs to go. Let me show you. First of all, hey, there's the south. Look at that. Choburg South. I love that. We'll build and plant churches, even if it's in a sticks and mud house or a proper church. But we'll continue to build the kingdom of God. Amen, family. Let's look at our international missions. Our international missions. We have Bible translation. We support the Bible Society uh, on an annual basis so that they can translate more and more and more Bibles so that we can just give them out. Somebody comes to church and says, Pastor Johnny, I don't have a, a Bible. All right, we'll give you a Bible. How much will it cost? Nothing. Because we want the Word of God. We cannot sell the Word of God in that sense. But if you come and say, I don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We'll help you. Don't have seven on your shelf and say, I don't have a Bible yet today. Amen. Help somebody else to get a Bible. We do that. Church Planting International. We work with many uh, organizations, CPI specifically, how to plant churches in third world countries. Training Christian leaders in churches worldwide. We have become kingdom minded. We're helping other churches to become better than us so that we can learn from them. Amen. All right. We're training the pastor of tomorrow through our Bible college. Do you see what I see? Amen. The Bible Society, translating Bibles, even Bible in Braille. Just last week, this conference, where we imparted the principles of church planting in a third world country, really where it's mud and sticks. How do I fundraise in a society like that? That knowledge, that vision, that compassion, we teach and we train, work with uh, associated of related churches, international organization with, uh, organization with like 50,000 churches around the world. We work with Judea Harvest that is building a brand new church for CFC Swaziland together with us. It's going to cost 10 million rand. We're going to do it. By March this year, it will be up. Do you see what I see? We work with CPI, Church Planting International. Amen, family? And then our Bible College. I've spoken so much about it, but it just deserves another word because I want to mention something specifically. 80 campuses around the world in 2024. That's amazing. There's no other Christian university that's got 20, oh, 80 campuses around the world. I don't know about it. Tell me if it is. But I'm telling you now, we are one of the largest. Not because we want to brag, but we're taking the, 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 the Word of God to the uttermost places. That mud and sticks house or church, that's where we take the Word to. Scholarships in locally and disadvantaged churches. All the students in Cuba has got a scholarship. 300 students, scholarship. The, the students in Uganda, scholarship. The students in uh, Kenya, scholarship. The students in Rwanda, scholarship. The students in Zimbabwe, the scholarship. Can you see what I see? Amen, family. We're taking the church and we're building the kingdom. Of God. I love this statement by Billy Graham. We've got to invest in now 
younger people. They are the leaders of tomorrow. Tomorrow, If a group of students gave themselves totally to Christ and began living for Christ, no matter what the cost, you could change our generation. It's many times not just about money, but it's about a change of mindset. Amen? So just lean in as I speak to you about this. Listen to this as I close. 1 Corinthians 4.18 So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. You see, the, another translation says, the things that can be seen is carnal, but the things that cannot be seen, they are spiritual and deep. For the things we see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Your compassion, changing something that is bad, I've got to make it good. Being part of the legacy of the church, not necessarily this church, but every church, being part of the legacy, it's something that cannot be seen, but it will speak for you in eternity forever. Forever. Do you see what I see? Amen, family. If you've received the word, come on, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you are here today, say, Pastor Johnny, maybe it's my first time or my second or my tenth time, but I heard the message preached and I heard specifically about the heart of compassion. And the word compassion means something that is in a bad situation and to make it better. Today, I want to speak to you and your heart specifically. Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? Where is your legacy? Do you know if you were to die today, whether you would go to heaven or would you go to hell? Or perhaps you hear say, Pastor Johnny, I served the Lord so many years, but I've backslidden and now I want to come back and I want to, I want to just make right with God. Can I do that? Or thirdly, perhaps you say, Pastor Johnny, you know, I don't have assurance of my salvation. I'm not sure if, if I were to die today, whether I would go to heaven or whether I would go to hell. So if that is you at any three of those invitations, I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior. I want to have assurance of my salvation. Hmm. That is you. Then at the count of three, out of my heart of compassion, I don't want to see you in the way that you are. I want to see you how you can be better. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, raise your hand. If that is you, wherever you are, say, that's me, Pastor Johnny. I want to change. I want to dedicate my life to Jesus. I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. Wherever you are, raise your hand. Raise your hand under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I don't want to be the same. My life is empty. I need compassion. And the great compassion giver, Jesus, is here and he's ready because he's saying, this is a bad situation. I'm not going to leave it that way. I'm going to change it into something good. One more last invitation. One more opportunity. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Quickly, quickly, wherever you are. Just keep raising your hands. Now leaders are moving in and amongst the people. They're merely coming to lay their hand on your, on your shoulder, coming to agree with you in prayer. So won't you say that 
pray this prayer out aloud with me. And for your benefit, we're not going to let you just say it. We're all going to say it together. Are you ready? Let's say this. Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Please forgive me. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. I now say it with my mouth. I declare that He is the Son of God. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord from this day on. Thank you for dying on a cross for me, paying the price so I can go free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.